Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, we preview the WWE's Royal Rumble. Could there be some signs of trouble for Peacock? And should we call it the book of the Mandalorian? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows, and if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to sports right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, the great folks at Vampires and Vitae, plus all the things that we do for Pop Culture Cosmos because we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every day at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook where you can find hours upon hours of great videos of our tabletop RPG action because we're the number one streamer on Facebook for tabletop RPG gaming. And if you can support all of that and share the word about the pop culture cosmos, Vampires of Vitae, and all the great things that we do there, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is the mastermind behind many of these games. Don't tell her husband, Robbie, because he's yeah, right. in the car going, I do a great job each and every week of creating all these games and do an awesome job of it. And Melinda's sitting right next to him going, it's me. It's all No, me. that's not true. It's not true. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But if you can go ahead and support everything that she's doing today with her awesome show, Vampires of Vitae, that she works so diligently and so hard on, it is sincerely appreciated. It is my good friend. It is Melinda Barkhouse-Ross. And Melinda, I am glad to have you back on the show. I know this week was kind of busy for you. Mm -hmm. A lot of things going on with Vampires of Vitae. Before we get into today's episode, can you give everybody an update what's going on with you, Robbie, and everything going on at Vampires of Vitae? Sure, yeah. So we just published our 14th episode of season two. And so (laughs) Robbie has been trying to get us to go to this particular place (laughs) for well probably since about mid-november 
And we just got there at the end of the last episode. So <laughs> that's pretty interesting. There was recently a car bombing outside of uh, Church of Day. Okay. Um, which happened a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. So it's been a pretty intense couple of weeks for vampires and Vitae, that's for sure. But were there some deaths involved in that? Well, I mean, there were some injuries and stuff, but luckily one of our characters was actually a nurse during World War II. So she was able to rely on her previous training and stuff like that. My character is kind of a medium, so she was able to help people cross over so there were no lost souls or anything like that. And the good news is that we captured what who we believe is the culprit. So we'll see how that shakes out here in the next couple of weeks. Ooh, interrogation time, right there. Yeah, Vampires yeah. Vitae. Ooh, Absolutely. Sounds, sounds interesting indeed. Plus catch all of our great shows each and every week at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Plus, if you can subscribe and be an active participant of the Vampires and Vitae community, it's right there all over the place on social media, plus also Pop Culture Cosmos. I know she would appreciate that as well. Yeah, we all would. We love hearing from people who are enjoying the show. And we even love, you know, like, why are you guys playing it this way? Why are you playing it that way? Because we homebrew a ton of stuff. So if anybody has any comments or questions or concerns we love hearing all of that kind of stuff we love hearing from people so there you go there yeah. you go vampires and vitae out there for you please go ahead and check it out each and every week you'll be glad you did but we got a great show lined up we're going to be talking about a lot of good things want to mention on the back half of the show john orlando from the pvd cast returns he comes back to us previewing the wwe's royal rumble which starts the wrestlemania season so he's going to be talking about the men's and the women's royal rumble who does he think might win? Who do I think might win? We're also going to be talking about the heavy rumors and surprise entries into the Royal Rumble and where this will lead to as far as Saturday's action at the WWE Royal Rumble, plus his thoughts on GCW, an independent wrestling organization that is getting a little bit of notoriety out there. So we'll talk about that coming up on the back half of the show. Plus, Melinda and I in the back half of the show will also be talking about Star Trek Picard. Season three, I know season two has not even debuted yet on the Paramount Plus Network, but season three was talked about in an interview recently by Patrick Stewart, I believe on SFX Magazine, where he was talking about a possible ending for the series. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that as far as Paramount maybe saying, no, wait just a second, that's not entirely true just yet. So nothing's been confirmed 100%, although Star Trek fans are being led to believe it. I want to hear Melinda's thoughts on if this will be an ending for the series, if that's a good time, or if the series should continue on past the season three. That's coming up on the back end of the show. Plus, with EA's announcement of Respawn not doing just one, not doing just two, but three Star Wars games that they're working on, we're going to ask Melinda what kind of Star Wars game would she like to make if she were in charge of EA? So that's yes. coming up. And no angry emails about my answer. <laughs> yes, and no angry emails about her or my answer. So we'll have <laughs> some thoughts on what kind of video games in the Star Wars universe we would like to make. That's coming up on the back end of the show. Plus also Peacemaker Episode 5 had a little bit interesting twist, a little bit more action. Did it get any better for us? We'll talk about that coming up here. And Peacock. With Comcast shouting out its numbers to its shareholders today, one of the most startling numbers was a $1.7 billion loss for the Oof. Peacock Network after another year where they also suffered heavy losses. 
we're now into year three of Peacock. And I'm going to talk to Melinda about if this network is on the road to doom or can they write the ship and start turning some kind of profits and getting more subscribers. Talk about what kind of programming maybe they can go ahead and do. We'll talk about that on the show as well. But first, my friend, this is the book of Boba Fett. I think episode five, because right off the bat, the entire community was energized by the appearance of the Mandalorian, appearance. which we knew was coming. Well, not only was it an appearance, <laughs> it was an episode entirely yeah. devoted to yeah. the Mandalorian. But as soon as he came on screen, I was excited. Mm-hmm. Now, that excitement kind of wore off as the episode continued because we did get a look on this almost like Halo-like planet where that he was on getting his latest bounty, but also confronting the last members of his Mandalorian sect that he's a part of, talking about the lore, talking about the Darksaber, where it originated from, talking about what they've had to suffer through as a community but also talk about since he lifted up his helmet and showed his face to Grogu and everybody that was there in those final scenes of season two, that he now has to redeem himself Mm. based off of his sect of the Mandalorians has to go to Mandalore underneath, I think uh, like some uh, hidden waters that he has to go ahead and redeem himself and bathe into, but so he can go ahead and fully redeem himself and become a true part of his sect. Now, some Mandalorians, as we've seen from Bo-Katan and her followers, don't follow that same philosophy anymore. This was something that he's not even born into it. He was actually adopted into it because his homeworld was under duress from the Empire, and he was actually saved by a Mandalorian. So this is not actually his true origins, but he just wants to follow the guidelines of the certain sect of the Mandalore. And then again, you find out more about the Darksaber, him having a battle to try and, and keep control of the dark saber you saw that during the episode you then saw him go to tatooine and his friend paley model giving him an idea that she had a replacement for the raven's crest the ship that he flew for much of the previous two seasons and this was an old fighter from the Star Wars Episode 1 days for the prequels that I know a lot of people don't want to watch again, don't care to watch, and some want to forget that they watch. But if you remember the fighters on Naboo that Anakin Skywalker flew on in the Episode 1, they had a tattered, beat-up old version of that that he built up for the back half of the show. And then finally, someone in the main cast of the Book of Boba Fett, Fennec Shan, a.k.a. Mignon Wen, who we absolutely love here on this show. Yes. She dropped in at the final moments and said, hey, can you give us a hand with Boba Fett? Really needs your help with the Pike Syndicate. So he said, yes, but I got to go ahead and check on a little friend first because I've got a gift for him, which I think is going to be some type of Beskar armor or something like that. And it was so funny because they melted down in the early part of the episode that Beskar spear yes. was melted down into a teeny tiny gift so all that Beskar spear was t- melted down. Where's the residuals? I don't know. Can I have some of the leftovers? Were they just <laughs> lying on the ground or something like that? I, I don't know. But all that teeny tiny gift for Grogu was made out of a big long spear. So I don't know. It's kind of very wasteful to me. But all my babbling aside, 
this was an episode of the Mandalorian that was stuck right in the middle of Boba Fett. Yes. And while everybody is cheering, everybody's saying it's a great episode. I thought it was okay. I thought the first half was much better than the second half. When it became Mando's Garage, I really <laughs> didn't think that was great. Or at least it was too long. But this has turned into an episode of The Mandalorian. Right. Was that the best thing for the book of Boba Finn? Probably not. I mean, in some ways, it was pretty great. Because if viewership for Boba Fett has been waning... Yeah, I'm sure they may have even anticipated because obviously they had this episode planned, right? So perhaps it was a little bit of goodwill. Like, hey guys, like we we understand that you really want this guy, but we're going to get through this guy's story first and we're going to bring this guy back in. But here's a whole bunch of this guy. Be here next week because he's going to actually do some stuff. Because we talked about Hawkeye and how it started soft. Yeah. But gained an, an audience over the course of its lifetime to end up pretty good ratings wise. And we talked about how Book of Boba Fett started out strong. And obviously, by what everybody's reaction is, the ratings are probably not as strong from there. But I agree with you. They had to do something. And obviously, yeah. when they initially announced it was going to be four episodes and they suddenly made it seven, you had to think something was fishy. And we talked about all the flashbacks maybe being used as filler. This was filler. And it was a filler of a kind that a lot of people are talking about, which is great for Star Wars fans because they got something exciting. But yeah, I don't think, again, it was the best moment for the Book of Boba Fett because of the fact that, again, now it takes all this attention away from whatever you're trying to build and puts it squarely on the Mandalorian. Because now everybody's just going to be looking at, I want to go ahead and see the Mandalorian. I don't really want to see what's going to happen with the Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's it's a risk. So we're going to have to obviously wait and see what happens next week. But honestly, and how can I say this without being blue about it? It was very risky. And I appreciate yes. the courage that it took to to take that kind of a risk. With a character that people have been enjoying now for a couple of seasons. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've I've been enjoying the Bubba Fett series honestly i've i'm sure it's it's a little bit slow and and stuff like that but i've enjoyed the story i've enjoyed learning more about the character which obviously was the point and i don't know that they ever really planned a season two unless it's already been announced and i've missed it did i miss it gerald they have not announced a season two yet okay. for the book of boba fett the reactions have been much like what you're reacting to much like everybody else is reacting to you know you heard the book of sloba fed you know, yeah, you know, and, and that this is just boring and slow and leading into this episode, there's the little intro that they do before the title screen hits. Mm -hmm. You can get pretty much all you need to get is you can get from that little blurb right before you don't have to sit through the other episodes. You can right. get all the information you can get leading into episode five from that little two to three minute trailer right there that they stick before episode five. Yes. I'm thinking that and the 10 minutes of episode one, that's all you need from the series. That's fair. But I like that we saw him teach that desert clan to fight and be able to attack the train and stop the train from killing them in the deserts and, and, and stuff like that. I enjoyed that episode. I thought that was, I thought it was really well done. I, I liked how it was filmed. And then episode five, I was like, I am going to have my homework done on time. Gerald is going to be proud of me. I am going to watch this show. And then it was not the show I was anticipating. So yes. I was very confused last night when I sat down to watch it, but I enjoyed it. I even enjoyed the, 
the Mando garage, as you put it. I enjoyed well, it. was fine it. for what it was for a few yeah. years. You know, I when you keep it. on asking for wrenches and trying to do com- comedy with the droids, and it just, it was dragging out. And that's the, that's the thing. Sure. I I don't know. I enjoyed it. I, I like the relationship between the two characters. I just enjoy it. I the, love... the interesting part was the lady that she used to date the, uh, not the Ewok. The Wookiee? No, no. no. I'll, I'll think of it here in a second. Okay. But yeah, Probably. it was just, it was something where I guess, again, it has its charm, but it just was played out too long. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I I liked it. I had a I had a lot of fun with it, and I am here for it. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more of hopefully the Mandalorian in the last few episodes. It'd be really cool to see them hunt some bounties together or something like that. What do you think it is about the Boba Fett series that just isn't really living up? Like, did we want to see him doing more bounty hunting and and that kind of stuff? And that's just not what we're getting, and we're disappointed. I think we did. I think we needed to see a little bit more of that before he gets into this. I want to become the master of the Tatooine underworld. Sure. I think that's something that everybody wanted to see something more exciting. It just seemed like right away they were so ready to go ahead and put him in a position of control. I understand that after years of bounty hunting and of course what happened to him in the Sarlacc pit, he wants a change and it made him come to realization that maybe he wants a change for the better I get that, but I would have loved to have seen maybe in the first or second episode, him going on one of these bounty chases and then something happens dramatically that changes his whole outlook. Maybe that would have gotten everybody a little bit more amped up in there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I do see where it is slow and and I do see the the problems with the series. Like I'm not saying that I, you know, am, am a diehard trying to sell the series to anybody or anything like that because it's not the case, but I've just been enjoying it. Perhaps I was going to say perhaps it's my age, but it, you know, sorry, but you're older than I am, so maybe it's not. Maybe I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's the strangest thing to me. Huh. The reaction online, everybody seems so excited about what's going on with the Mandalorian, any yeah. type of thing that they could get. And this, there, nobody seems unhappy that she, uh, that, that the Mandalorian is now completely replaced what's going on in the book of Boba Fett, that when we go back to the world of Boba Fett or after, hopefully we'll see what happens with Mandalorian going to visit his little friend, AKA right. Grogu. Hopefully yeah. we'll see that reunion and then we'll get back into the Book of Boba Fett. But I'm assuming when the Book of Boba Fett happens, everybody's going to be like, oh, we got to go back to this again. You know what I mean? Everybody's going to have a little bit of a downer after seeing yeah, the Mandalorian. Maybe. That, that's possible, too. I hadn't really considered that, that angle of it. Maybe they just need to focus on him defeating the twins. Yeah. Would, would that be like an okay series wrap-up? Or I guess season wrap-up, quote-unquote? That could be the case. I definitely uh, think that could be something very interesting right there. But we don't even know if the twins are the major villains in this equation because the Pike Syndicate seem to be the one that they're playing the most on. But we haven't seen as much of the Pike Syndicate to actually care about them as an evil force that Boba Fett has to defeat. Yeah, that's true, too. I don't know. It's very strange. It's it's very strange. Can I say that one more time? It's very strange. It's very Um, strange. I would just like to see him finish on a high note that hooks everybody into a season two. I, I really do. I think that they've done a lot of background painting and stuff like that. And it's it's time to delve into the seedy underworld and get him to be the boss and rough some people up and stake his claim and 
all of that, you know, bounty hunter stuff. Bounty hunter stuff, indeed. But <laughs> what are your thoughts out there on the episode five of the Book of Boba Fett, or should I say, the Mandalorian? Yeah, Who knows it's, it's what a you want to call it. Preseason hype video is what it was. Yeah, that's for sure, and it sets yeah. up what's going to go on in season three, at least on the Mandalorian side. So. Please let us know your thoughts on The Book of Boba Fett, Episode 5. Are you excited for the return of The Mandalorian? And do you now actually even care anything at all what goes on for the rest of The Book of Boba Fett? We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Okay, wait. Wait, I... I can go invisible, right? Because this is this is the absolute worst. You can so, certainly try. Okay, so that is um, uh, that's uh, obver obvination. Ob- ob- <laughs> Close enough. Obvulation. It's obfuscation. Roll your dice. Okay. So I didn't get anything over a five, but you that can. You are still naked. Oh God. The music stops, and everyone is looking directly at you, oh. judging. Oh God, this is. The prince of the city looks very disappointed in you. Okay, this is worse than the dreams that I have about being naked at work. There has to be something that I can do. Vampires in Vitae, a Vampire the Masquerade actual play podcast, season two, to Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, before we hit the break, Melinda, I wanted to go ahead and ask you real quick. Episode five of Peacemaker got a little more interesting this week. Yes, the F-bombs are still flying left and right. but <laughs> Eagly is still being an eagle. Eagly is still being an eagle. Yes, the butterflies, <laughs> they've now connected to where a good portion of them were at because they found the butterflies food source. Okay. And to get everybody up to speed, butterflies are a little alien-like creature that possesses a host body like let's say one of us for instance and then they could go ahead and you know your control whatnot but the only thing that they eat is a food source like from this one certain spot and in this oh the team went into this episode and basically wreaked havoc upon all these unsuspecting butterflies and uh, the hosts that were in them and just basically peacemaker blowing away left and right they ended up with a final battle against a superpowered gorilla which was very interesting, who met an untimely end by a chainsaw, oh, per God. se. So yes, so that was very <laughs> gory. And this is a very M-rated show, so it yeah. fits right in with what James Gunn was going ahead and planning out. It was funny, though, because there's a scene while they're battling the gorilla where you could clearly see the stitch line of the costume that the gorilla was wearing. Oh, no, really? It was like, yeah. Oh. It's like, oh. CGI guy good. mixed that one. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So it was like right down the middle. It's like, oh, stitch line. There you mm-hmm. go. But again, it was kind of more of a fun, upbeat type of uh, episode because previous episodes were kind of just getting a little bit on the downer sides. And I know a lot of people have been reacting that way. A lot of people, not like yourself and some others. I've talked to TJ Johnson, talked to some others about they've tried to give it a, a shot and they've just not been able to stick through it. So yeah. Right now, Peacemaker still is obviously getting some good buzz because James Gunn recently announced back to today upon some conversations that are out there that not only is Peacemaker most likely or there's some good word that there will be a season two, but that there may be another Suicide Squad spinoff in the works that he's going to be working on in the not too distant future. So. Your thoughts on a Peacemaker season two, if that happens, and a 
continuation of the TV series. I'm assuming there still will be a Suicide Squad 2 movie that's coming up in the not-too-distant future. But this continuation so far in the TV land for HBO Max. Well, if there is a season two of Peacemaker, I hope it's, I don't want to say, is kind of, do I say I hope it's better? Because I don't think it's a bad show. It's just a show that was not made for someone like me. And by someone like me, I mean, someone who has like a a kind of a, a passing interest in the deeper comic book movies. And to me, Peacemaker is, is one of those deeper characters and it's just not doing it for me. I don't know what it is. I'm just not sure, Gerald. But there's just something about the show that I'm just not clicking with. And I I don't want to say that the humor is too immature because I have an, an incredibly immature sense of humor. But it, I mean, it does it does go off into that detail. I mean, if yeah, you're like, if you're a teenager, exactly. yeah. If you're a teenager, this is something that I think a lot of teenagers out there may gravitate towards you or young individuals who love that type of raunchy comedy. Maybe that's what it is like for me on on a personal level. It could be that easy. So maybe season two will give us something a a little, it's so weird to say more mature for a show that is a mature show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But maybe it'll grow up a little bit into the second season. Yes. And by the way, Pelimoto was dating a Jawa. That's Ah, Jawa. Jawa. Yes, Jawa. Jawa. So knew it hit me. This hit me like 10 minutes later. And that's what, that's what's. It's not instantaneous anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. Speaking of no longer being a teenager, but the Rolodex spins a little slow once in a while. I get it. Yeah, I get so it. my gosh, the hamster is not running around in the habit trail as fast <laughs> as it should be. So that's for sure. But it is Peacemaker episode five. I know a lot of people are looking forward to seeing more of it. What are your ideas on who would be the next candidate to lead a series for HBO Max in the world of the Suicide Squad? Please let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com i want to go ahead and make sure before we head on the break that melinda is going to go ahead and tell me exactly her thoughts on peacock because peacock reported a 1.7 billion dollar loss as part of the comcast sharings now comcast overall was doing pretty good they announced that their earnings were up i think that the stock overall was doing okay and I think everything there is fine. But Peacock, their department, second straight year, they've lost hundreds of millions of dollars. In this case, a billion, $1.7 billion. That can't be good for long term. I understand that Netflix loses money year after year after year, but they've got 200 million subscribers. Yeah. Right now, out of the 25 million or so individuals out there that have watched a portion of Peacock, most are on the free version. Only 9 million are on paid subscriberships right now. And that's something of concern to me. So before we head to the break, I want to hear your thoughts on this. I know that Peacock is still developing shows. They're still acting like everything's okay. There's nothing I heard as far as that Peacock is on the way out. But in this world that you and I now know, the streaming outlets that are like a dime a dozen. Yeah. And we talked about how many heavyweight streaming outlets that there are. Could Peacock be that very first one to fall? Could it be that first domino to fall in the streaming wars? Oh, gosh. It very well could be. I don't think I go to Peacock to watch much. Is that? Yeah, no, I don't. I definitely don't. You know, I spend all of my time with Hulu, Netflix, Disney Plus, and I never go to Peacock. I don't go to it searching out anything in particular. Maybe They just need a couple of big hits, I think. 
you got to find a way to hit that buzz, the water cooler talk, the tweets and the retweets and all of that kind of stuff. And I think once they're able to do that and they get a couple of shows that have some really good hype and some really good buzz, I think they'll be able to turn that around. But I'm not surprised to hear that they're losing money. That doesn't really surprise me all that much. I mean, 9 million subscribers and what, 25 million free ones? Perhaps you should start charging those people? Well, that was the idea to get everybody enticed for a free version. Here's your little bits of candy. You want to go ahead and have the whole thing? Go ahead and subscribe today. But with all the other outlets that there are out there, you really need something to stand out. The WWE Network, which they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars on, that they will for at least five years. Yeah. That's not really been that big boon that, that they were hoping for. So, Which, by the way, is a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, to, I love the fact that it's on there. I watched the match between Hulk Hogan and Macho Man the other day where they were like brought in on like the chariots and the whole thing. It was incredible to watch that again. And that was so fun. And I mean, there's no reason why you couldn't put that on and just like kind of have it on in the background during the day and every once in a while between cooking dinner and vacuuming the the living room you're gonna catch some cool match that you completely forgot about like i completely forgot about the legion of doom and i've got to watch them do a couple of matches the bushwhackers you know i mean that's some fun stuff to watch like there's some real nostalgia there and they need to make sure that it's top of mind as well because when i think streaming services there's two that never come to mind paramount plus and peacock they never cross my mind yeah when you talk about the top three or four, they never come up as an answer. And that's something that I think has to change. And if you're going to go ahead and continue to lose a billion plus dollars, that's a hard pill to swallow for Comcast. Do you know how upset I get if I lose $5? Uh, obviously, Comcast <laughs> doesn't get too upset right now. Oh, but man. I, I just think down the road, you cannot continuously lose that kind of money or oh. else changes are going to be made. Yeah. Wow. But what are your thoughts out there on Peacock? Are you still watching it? Are you a subscriber? Have you even ever checked out anything that's gone on in the world of Peacock? Are you concerned the days are numbered for Peacock? So please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, it's John Orlando from the PVD cast. He's going to go ahead and preview the Royal Rumble with me and talk about GCW as a viable entity on the pro wrestling landscape. So we'll talk about that coming up after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, Holy Grails, playsets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that and, of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show Season 2, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. All right, and we're back with the PCC Multiverse. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Truly appreciated. It is the WWE Royal Rumble happening this Saturday. I know a lot of people out there are going, what, what? The year just started, yes, and we're already into WrestleMania season, as it were. As you know, if you're a wrestling fan out there, that the WWE's Royal Rumble kicks off the WrestleMania season. And who better to talk about the Royal Rumble and something that we forgot about when we were talking about the state of pro wrestling in regards to GCW, Game Changer Wrestling, and their viability in the wrestling marketplace. 
he's back once again. It is the guy behind the PVD cast. You can go ahead and check out what he's doing today at thepvdcast.com. It is John Orlando. John, great to have you back. I know you've been busy with all your own great shows. A lot of stuff, a lot of movie talk, some wrestling talk, <laughs> a lot of pop culture talk in between, but great to have you back on the show talking WWE's Royal Rumble. Well, thank you for having me back on. I've been looking forward to sitting down and chatting with you and and letting all of your listeners and viewers in on my thoughts about the Royal Rumble, which as of right now, it's still a little bit cloudy as to who's going to come out on top in both the men's and women's Royal Rumble, at least in my humble opinion. But I'm glad to be here, and let's talk some wrestling. I know a lot of the entrants, outside of whatever surprise ones that they have in store for us on the actual day itself, will be cleared up by the time that SmackDown airs on Friday. So. Mm -hmm. I know that's the case. I know the rumors are out there for the women's side of the Royal Rumble that Ronda Rousey will be making her return. And if that's the case, I don't think she's just coming back to be a mid-carder. And if that's the case, she'll be pushed to the hilt. And I'm not sure exactly if that's the greatest thing in the world. Although if she's being pushed as a heel, that could be the case because people really on the way out really started to not like her and she didn't like that. So if she's willing to do a Roman Reigns and accept the fact that she'd probably be a better heel, that would be okay, I guess. I'm hoping for a return of, as you and I both have talked about, one of my favorite wrestlers, Asuka. Hopefully she'll mm -hmm. be back. I know she's been injured and on the mend for quite some time, and people have been wondering what her status was. She hasn't been laid off by WWE, so it kind of makes you wonder when she might be returning. So this would be a grand opportunity for her. So... Your thoughts on the women's WWE Royal Rumble. I think that if you're bringing back Ronda Rousey and whatever it is you're paying her, even though she no longer has the name she once did, I'm assuming that you're going to go ahead and try and cash in on your return. Oh, I agree. I think Ronda Rousey is showing up and entering the Royal Rumble. I think in my mind, there's no doubt about it. All of the rumors, I think, are true in that particular scenario. I think, you she's, think definitely she's winning. No, I don't think she's winning. I think she's coming back. I think she'll look very good in the Rumble. Uh, maybe set up some feud for her to have, maybe before getting to WrestleMania. Maybe a short program that lasts three weeks, four weeks. I don't think she's winning. It'll be a good surprise. Gerald, to start off, I think they made a big mistake with the Royal Rumbles. And, and I'll explain. I feel like Charlotte Flair having this stipulation that if she wins she picks her opponent for wrestlemania i think that was a terrible idea i think it's a great idea but that belonged to brock lesnar i think that would have been awesome for him to enter the rumble for him to lay down that challenge he wins now you easily can put roman reigns against lesnar at wrestlemania again and what if it means that she, she might go against becky lynch well, you know, Becky Lynch and, and Charlotte Flair are always the go-to. You need a match that's... Merge those titles, man. Merge those titles. You know I've been asking for it. Hey, I'd be right behind you chanting, merge those titles. I, I agree 100%. Oh, uh, they should. I mean... I'm so tired of these Monday-Friday titles deal. It just oh, is ridiculous. It, it has been ridiculous. But getting back to your point, I think Ronda Rousey is going to be a surprise. I think that she definitely makes an impact. I would be somewhat remiss if I didn't mention that I think, you know, there's been a lot of rumors of Paige coming back maybe because she has been medically cleared. 
And one that I don't think I've seen any rumors about entering the Royal Rumble and being maybe a force in the Rumble, Raquel Gonzalez. I think that she has a look. She has the strength, the speed. She could be another Rhea Ripley. I don't see a reason why she's not on the main roster to begin with. And I think this would be a great way to introduce her. So I think that the surprises are there. But as again, as we joked off air, I'm not so sure that I could solidly pick a winner of both these Rumble matches. I'm picking Ronda Rousey. I'm not saying because I like it. I'm saying because you don't bring her back and pay her whatever she's expected to be paid because she's probably going to be asking top dollar just because of the name she once had in the UFC and the name that she started off with here in the WWE. And you don't bring her back without a purpose or intent. Unless, like the scenario I just mentioned, and it is Charlotte Flair winning the Royal Rumble and asking for a match against Becky Lynch so we can go ahead and have that matchup that I think we've seen over and over, but still... It's a matchup that we keep liking every time we see because even though they can't stand each other, they really work well with each other. And that's the thing that we've seen over the course of the decades here that sometimes when you have wrestlers that don't like each other, for some eerie reason, you think they won't work well together and they always end up doing so. So I'm I'm thinking that they've always had great matches. So I'm agreed. I'm hopeful that even though I'm not in love with the fact that Lesnar is still at the top of the cards, I think for the men's side and the women's side, I think a great way to go ahead and do this as I'm patting myself on the back here, two day (laughs) event at WrestleMania. (laughs) Who called that one right there? They have one day Lynch versus flair. And then the next day would be to merge the titles for the men's side. Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. I could deal with that. I could deal with that, and I think that's going to get the most notice. But I have a feeling that Ronda Rousey, either, like you said, will probably have some type of angle shot that she'll go against some type of upper-tier contender, or will get a title shot, which will mess everything up. So I'm hopeful that it's going to be what I talked about in the merging scenario for both the men's and women's. Who are your thoughts on the men? Do you think the the men is going to be something different? Well, I think that with the men, that's another hard one. It's harder than picking a winner for the women. And I feel like Charlotte Flair. Because no one stands out in the men. That's why Brock Lesnar is your Monday champion. Absolutely. There's nobody. By default, I picked Austin Theory only because he's getting the push, you know, supposedly from Vince. But He's not ready for a main event slot. Not yet. I mean, he's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of Austin Theory, but he's not ready. He's not there yet. He's got to reach that. There's no way he's going to main event a WrestleMania. But honestly, Gerald, I don't know who else. I mean, The Undertaker, because rumors are he might come back. Is he going to win it? I hope not. And certainly it's not going to be. I just think that's the best scenario for all involved is that you merge the titles and you have the matchups between the champions that we've talked about and discussed. I think that's the best move. I really think the best move and the smartest move is to merge the titles over the course of the Saturday and Sunday at WrestleMania and to somehow set that up with the, as they always do, with the Royal Rumble on Saturday. So I'm I'm thinking that that would be the smartest move. Is it the move they're going to take? You and I both know they don't always take the smartest move. <laughs> In fact, they rarely take the smartest move that's out there. So we'll have to wait and see. But 
my friend, there's other matches on the card real quick. I wanted to go ahead and ask. Oof. I think I think we're gonna, yeah, it just really looks like a, a, a card that's based off the Royal Rumbles, which they have a tendency to do. They have a tendency to go ahead and just put the rumbles out there and then they don't really care about what's going on. Becky Lynch versus Dewdrop. I th- think that's clear. Nobody thinks that Dewdrop, unfortunately, has a chance, although you know. She's tried hard. She seems to connect a little bit with the fans out there, but she's not in any way, shape, or form ready to go ahead and, and assume the mantle of champion at this point in time, especially someone named Dewdrop. I, I, give her Piper Niven. Give her her old name back. Dewdrop is just something I just couldn't stand uh, as far as the name for her is concerned. I really feel bad when the WWE sticks you with a bad name. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, it's just wrong. I just, it just is wrong. And just like what we're talking about with Walter recently, no. given the name that they originally went ahead and asked for a license for, which was, I think, similar to a World War II submarine Nazi commander, I think was Gunther Stark. Yep. And they just tried to drop the Stark and just call him Gunther. Just call him Walter and, yeah. and deal with the residuals as far as the payments. I understand it's about money. When they change people's names, but give it a rest. Give it a rest. Walter has an established name. AJ Styles wasn't coming to the WWE if they changed his name. They shouldn't have done the same for Walter, but that's just a rant. I'm just having issues with. But then again, you know, like I said, it's all about money. Then you have Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins trying to go ahead and bring back one more time the memories of the Shield. And they talked about John Moxley, did all the Shield remembrance, but. Also, as well, the husband and wife match between Edge and Beth Phoenix versus the Miz and Maurice. I'm going yeah. to interject. That's the only one that I'm interested in because at least it's not even Lesnar. Well, not, yeah, because Lesnar versus Lashley, I like from a powerhouse standpoint, yeah. but I, I don't think that Lashley is going to get the rub, uh, even though I give him credit for being a pretty good champion during his tenure. But I don't think that he's going to get the rub. They love Lesnar. So they absolutely mm. love Lesnar. But your your thoughts on this husband and wife matchup, because I'm not really digging it. I'm not really digging okay. it. I think this could be a mess. I really think this could be a mess. Well, I, th- I think that I've enjoyed the build, okay, because okay. they've done the comedy. All... Yeah, the comedy, and they've done all the cliches, Gerald. They did the, the wedding, the wrestling wedding, and then the birthday party, and then and you know what's going to happen. You know. But it's fun. It's fun to relive those, in my opinion. It's fun to relive those moments and go, oh, I, I remember when this happened before with so-and-so and whatnot. And so I dug that. I feel like they've done a pretty decent job of, of building it. And it, again, when's the last time we've seen a mixed tag team match on a pay-per-view? That's true. I would love to see, though, a mixed tag team. You know what they should do as a main event at WrestleMania? They should have like the mixed tag team match. For all the titles, all the marbles, winner take all, right there for you. Mixed tag team match between you know, as far as the champions are concerned. That would be a really cool idea. That's just that's just me. But I agree with you. It's a it's a different scenario with a mixed tag team match. But any thoughts on the Royal Rumble before we talk about GCW? No, I think that at this particular point, it'll just kind of be what happens on Saturday, and, and we'll be talking about the surprises that happen. I. I personally have a really oddball prediction for a surprise in the men's Royal Rumble. I would not be too surprised if somebody that they released really wasn't released and they make a return. I would not be surprised if Keith Lee shows up. And I know that that's maybe a little bit of from out in left field, but I mean, I could see them secretly talking to him and say, Hey, how about coming back? 
you know? I know he applied for a trademark for Limitless, so he may have plans outside that sure. he's already gone to it. But you're right. He may be doing a one-shot where he goes in. Like, the heck, they've already got that arranged with a couple individuals on the women's side where they're just coming in for one-shot. Mm-hmm. Mickey James, Summer Ray as well, they're both coming yep. in for one-shots, and then they're going to go ahead, be in there for five to ten minutes, and then, you know, back to wherever they're going mm-hmm. right now. The way it is. And they're probably going to do it on the men's side. Like you said, somebody that they're you know, surprising you with, and there you go for a little bit, and then psh, right back on out. It would have been nice if Cody Rhodes had stopped by, because I know he was a, supposedly a free agent last yeah, week. Yeah, so. that's what yeah, I heard. That, yeah, that I would, read about that, that. That would have been very interesting. But, yeah, that's a thing that we could go ahead on the soapbox on the, for another day. But <laughs> once again, it's John Orlando from the PVD cast. But before we head on out, my friend, and before we talk about your great show, we're going to go ahead and talk about something that you and I both neglected to talk about when we talked about the state of the industry back last year and that was gcw game changer wrestling when you're talking about mlw and talk about impact when you talk about whatever it is ring of honor is doing right now which is kind of still up in the air which is kind of like it's still now like you have to consider an indie promotion per se when you even talk about aew when you talk about all these others even new japan and even a return for world class and world class pro wrestling, I think people in Texas are, are kind of excited for that, whatever sense that's going to come out of. I think a lot of people are now are talking about GCW. GCW is something, a game changer wrestling, like I said, an indie promotion that has actually run shows all around the country already, from the West Coast to the East Coast. So they've already run shows that you know have garnered 1,000 here, 2,000 there, 3,000 here, 1,000 there. They're actually getting quite a bit of people. In fact, they just finished their pay-per-view, The World, without an O, that recently was their most successful pay-per-view ever on the Fight Network. So I want to hear your thoughts on GCW. They do have a lot of established stars, a lot of independent stars, a lot of stars for XWWE. John Moxley is probably the most prominent among them, but you know Cardona, Nick Gage, who you saw in Dark Side of the Ring. It started out as Jersey Pro Wrestling back in 1999, but it has a background in a lot of hardcore wrestling with the light tubes and the barbed wire and the setting on fire. And that's what it had us for a long time. But now it seems to be doing a little bit of that, but also as well as trying to establish itself as a contender for that number three slot as far as overall here in the U.S., what are your thoughts on it? I mean, they recently had a run with the Briscoes as well, talking about names that are out there. And then obviously with the fact that there's a ton of independent wrestlers that are floating around, they can always seemingly grab any one of them at any mm-hmm. given time. Your thoughts on GCW, is it a viable wrestling organization that people should keep an eye on for the future? Well, I think that a lot of folks have stated, and I can understand that comparison, that GCW is like, the old ECW and I with, well, I, I'll give it credit. It, there's some similarities, but if you feel that that's what you want to be, then you have to learn from ECW's mistakes. True. And I think that's the biggest thing for GCW is that they have to learn from the mistakes of other promotions. They have to be willing to do what it takes to not only keep their hardcore fans happy, but to build an audience of new fans. And I'm not so sure that deathmatch wrestling is the way to go for that. And look, I'm not a huge fan of deathmatch wrestling, but I've seen my fair share of FMW and Big Japan wrestling and that. 
I just don't know if that would be a wide enough net, so to speak, if we're using a fishing analogy, a wide enough net to grab new viewers and to keep them entertained for more than one or two shows. But they're in a very unique place where they have to be very cautious of what they do. You know, my friend, it's been great talking to you about the Royal Rumble and GCW. But before we head on out, you've got some great things going down on the PVD cast at the PVDcast.com. I know there was some movie talk and some wrestling talk in store. So what do you have planned for people out there? Or what do you think they need to check out at the PVDcast.com? Well, I would recommend not this week's episode in which I sit down with some friends, the pro wrestling pundits, and we talk about the Royal Rumble in depth, giving a preview of it. I would say go back a week. That would be episode 315, where myself and a fellow indie wrestling personality, Weapon X Will, we did just what you said, Gerald. We sat down and pretended that we won the lottery and we're going to create our own promotion. It was a lot of fun. We looked at what talent we would use from the men's side, from the women's side, from the tag team divisions around the, the independent circuits. And uh, it was great fun, and I've gotten a lot of great comments and feedbacks on it. So uh, definitely check that out. I call it Book It Lottery Pro Wrestling. That's the episode. Check it out. Uh, and uh, you can always check out what's going on with me. PVDcast.com is the online home of yours truly, and the PVDcast is available through all those major podcasting outlets as well. And if you want to follow uh, social media-wise, my personal Twitter handle is at PVDMVP. And uh, Instagram and Facebook at PVDcast. It is John Orlando. You got to go ahead and check it out today at the PVDcast.com. Check out his great interviews. Fantasy booking. I like that. I like yeah. the fact that you can go ahead and just imagine who you'd like to go ahead and pick and also criticize everybody else on who they have already on their <laughs> roster. So that's pretty good. I like to go ahead and check that out. In fact, I checked out your movie podcast you had earlier this month. I think that was really good as far as touching on which movies you guys like for the year of 2021. Also, like you said, with the Royal Rumble preview, you're going to check that out as well. So the PVDcast.com is the place to go for everything pop culture. Why after you check us out here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But John, so great to have you here. I know that you and I got to touch base at least at WrestleMania, but I'm thinking maybe we should do something before then. Because, okay. you know, maybe it's just one more time just to just kindly rub it in that I was right on the two-day thing. The two-day well, thing works, man. The two-day thing works. You, you know, know what? Maybe I'll get a chance to rub it in that Keith Lee was in the Rumble. I hope you do. But if he goes in there and if he just wrestles for five minutes and then he's dumped over the top rope, that's kind of a bummer. That's maybe something like... Okay. Well, that's a good payday for him. But yeah. that's kind of a bummer for you. Out there. Like, you're like, I was right. I was right. John, he's already been eliminated. Ah, oh, <laughs> he just was there at a job. That's not good. All right. But I tell you what, John, it's been great having you here once again. Looking forward to having you stop by and talking pro wrestling and pop culture right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. 
Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. It's the PCC Multiverse. It's Gerald Glassford, along with my good friend, Melinda Barkhouse-Ross, the master of all that is vampires. Please go ahead. I just create weird characters. Well, you also go ahead and produce the show. Yeah, I do do that part, yeah. Yes, yes. So if you want to go ahead and check out some great tabletop RPG action, please go ahead and check it out today. Vampires and Vitae right there in the description. Just click on the link, and it takes you right to all the action therein. But before we head on out, my friend, Star Trek Picard. Mm -hmm. Season 2 is around the corner. Yes. We've already seen the appearance of Q is on the way. We already know that's coming up. Yeah. They go back to the 20th century. They go back to our present time. And it's one of those uh, types of deals where we've seen on Star Trek before. When in doubt, let's go back to our time, the 20th yeah. century or the 21st century now that is, and, and go ahead and wreak some havoc there. So they're doing something there as far as Q, putting them in a situation where they have to go back in time and try to correct something in order to save the galaxy. I'm assuming, you know, it's, it's only that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they've only done that like three or four times or five or six or seven um, times on Star Trek. Hush. It's been yes. innovative every time they've done it, Gerald. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I want to hear your thoughts on this. Patrick Stewart recently mentioned that Star Trek three was going to be the finale for the yeah. series. And then there had to be a lot of backtracking as far as from an official standpoint from Paramount and Star Trek entities saying, uh, wait, not so fast. That may not be the case. So some outlets are saying that it will be the end after season three. Some of them say that it could continue on. I think with Patrick Stewart's age, who would be 82, 83 in a yeah. season three, that you know your, your days are numbered when you're leading man and the guy that you named the series after is going to be in his mid-80s by the time season three is done. Your thoughts on this? I think season three is a good time to end it. There's still other Star Trek shows, very good Star Trek shows that people can check out on Paramount+. Plus. But your thoughts on Star Trek Picard, you've held it in much higher regard than I have. I thought it's okay, I think, but you've really enjoyed your time with it. I'm looking forward to season two because Q, it always is a win-win for me. Oh, yeah, Q is really fantastic, yeah. But your thoughts on Picard ending at a possible season three? It makes sense. His age would definitely be a factor. Like right now, he's 81. So yeah, we're looking 82, 83, maybe even 84. And who wants to work at that point? You know, like he's still doing conventions. You know, I saw him in Montreal a couple of years ago. Had my picture taken. But I think that what would be interesting and what would be clever is Michael Dorn, who played Worf, for a very long time has been championing a series called Captain Worf. So perhaps Picard could give way to a series based on Worf. I actually saw something that like that was mentioned uh, when it was talking about the series in the mid-2000s before Star Trek, the rebooted motion picture that that was one of the things that Michael Dorn was trying to toss around that didn't get really any kind of traction. So that's something that maybe now that Star Trek Picard has come to life, maybe that would be a great thing because people love those episodes in the past and on TNG and deep space nine. They love those Klingon episodes. Learning more about the Klingon culture. Yeah. Yeah. For the beginning of discovery, that wasn't good Klingons. (laughs) 
But I think season three is a good time to close out the series for Picard. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I'm very much one of those people who like is more Star Trek is always better Star Trek than no Star Trek. So I'll be sad to see it go because I have enjoyed it so much. And it's been just wonderful. And it's how can I put it so I don't sound too cheesy? Oh, you know what? I'm just not even going to worry about it. When I put on Star Trek Picard, it feels like I'm grabbing like an old blanket and I'm sitting back on my mom's couch. And me and dad are hanging out and we're just watching Star Trek together. Like Putting on a blanket. Yeah, that's what Star Trek Picard has done for me. And I think that's probably so much of why I've enjoyed it so much is because there's so much just nostalgia of seeing him on the screen as Picard again. I don't know that I need more than three seasons. And I don't know that Patrick Stewart with this character has more than three seasons in him. I think that he took the job and I think that this was almost like a farewell letter that he's been writing to Star Trek fans and and fans of the next generation in particular. And as long as he ends it on a sweet note and gives Picard that mm, perfect ending, I'm going to be perfectly happy with it ending in three seasons. That'll be a great way to go ahead and go on out in a season three. But we want to hear your thoughts out there, all you Star Trek fans. Is three seasons enough for Star Trek Picard? We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos, Yahoo.com. But before we head on out, Melinda, one last thing. EA announced that one of their major studios, Respawn, who has created such great games like the Titanfall series and also as well Jedi Fallen Order, they announced that they're going ahead with three, not one, not two, but three Star Wars games in the not-too-distant future. But if you were head of EA, Electronic Arts, and you were to want to go ahead and create your own, game in the star wars universe let us know before we head on out i would like to see a video game explore order 66 that's order 66 (laughs) yeah the jedi yeah i think it's pretty cool and you could play as imperial starship people or you could play as some jedi running from them i don't know i just think it would be cool order 66 the jedi (laughs) must not live Mm -hmm. that sounds very cool you could also create a multiplayer environment from that as well kind of like that concept for me it just comes down to one simple star wars thing that they should go ahead and tap into that they have not yet which i think would still make a lot of money and that's a star wars the mandalorian video game yeah that kind of makes a whole lot of sense doesn't it yeah especially after seeing episode five of the book of boba oh excuse me the book of mandalorian (laughs) yeah so the mandalorian i think you would go ahead and make a lot of money if you based off of that whatever type of adventure you want to create he's already been to several worlds out there or create a whole bunch of environments you don't necessarily have to base the whole thing on tatooine right i think it's basically you go ahead and visit planets from all over and he's interacted with a whole bunch of different characters yeah the possibilities are not endless but they're very plentiful so yeah make a mandalorian video game ea that would be the best advice although right now since ea no longer has exclusive license for star wars be made by any major studio out there as long as they get the approval from LucasArts. So, Melinda, let's start a studio. There you yeah, go. Let's, let's do it. I don't know well, anything about programming or building a video game, but I will voice over for you. <laughs> all right. We'll get those coding books out. We'll have to, yeah, we have right? to code all the oh, no, 66 what is and it, the Mandalorian. Python? Isn't it Python or something? I don't know. <laughs> something like that. We'll have to create our own engine and all oh, nine yards. Yeah. Or we could pay a lot of money to Unreal to get the Unreal engine and put it on that. But yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's so, true. But yeah. We'll a talk. Lot of money. We'll talk. Yeah. 
We'll, we'll get our people on it. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. But if you have a thought on a Star Wars game that you would love to see created, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I want to thank so much, John Orlando, for stopping by with our Royal Rumble preview for this year. Any last thoughts on the way out? Yes. My last thought is it's okay if Picard ends at season three, but they need to replace it with a Worf series. No Please. data? No, I wouldn't be upset about seeing more data, but I just... Deep Space Nine wasn't good until Worf joined. Once Worf joined, Deep Space Nine was a great show. So, yeah, I don't know. I just don't think that you can miss with Worf. I think he's a hysterical character. I think he's great. I thought Deep Space Nine discussion for another I didn't think it was so bad before he joined, but... Oh, come on now. I thought it was good when he was in it. I thought it was is good. Our, is it our next hot, to, hot topic debate? We might have to have <laughs> Deep Space Nine. That's going to be very deep. That's right. So for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Cheryl Glass. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great. If you were a monster kid growing up, if you enjoyed Saturday mornings watching monster movie matinee or staying up all night watching the midnight feature, then Monster Attack is the podcast for you. We not only look at classic old monster movies, we share our experience growing up as a monster kid. Join us every Monday for Monster Attack. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.